Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So Derek Brooks won't call Tom Brady a franchise changer. We'll tell you why he's right and also why he's wrong. The NFL is expected to use virtual crowd noise. That's right, to improve the product on TV if they are the no-fan league. Is this a good idea? And the league has extended its virtual workouts for players through May. Finally, the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg is scheduled for late October with fans. So we've got all that and some of your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Uh, Steve, before we get to all of this, of course, uh, do you see – it was kind of a weird thing why Vince McMahon fired Commissioner Oliver Luck with cause. Yeah, with cause. Um, what he signed a player that uh, from Florida actually fans are familiar yeah. with Antonio Antonio Callaway. Callaway. Yeah, um, you know he not the best uh, history, and the XFL didn't want players like that. Right, they gave him a huge signing bonus, and then was stuck with that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and then said he was basically failed to do any of his duties once they went on hiatus. Yeah. I don't know. That seems, it just seems a little flimsy to me, man. I don't know that I want to get in a fight with Vince McMahon because he could probably lawyer up a little bit more, but Oliver Or, or throw you through a few tables or whatever. You know, yeah, that, that too. Or, yeah, or send some, <laughs> some of his wrestlers after you or whatever. But, um, that sounds, I mean, I, I, I mean, if you're going to talk about cause, have some cause. How about the fact that, you know, you had a hundred year pandemic that shut down your league? I mean, it just seems, it seemed like it was out of Oliver Luck's hands at that point. Um, I, don't I don't think Vince was blaming him for the pandemic, but, you know. I guess for the response to it or for what yeah, he I did afterwards? Yeah, I'm not, I don't know exactly. Um, it seems flimsy to me. I could be wrong. Somebody, we're all going to lawyer mean, up here. but Well, you know. that's what happens when it goes to court. I mean, Right. So know. they'll reach some settlement probably for less than what they owe him, I would imagine. Generally, that's the way it works because the settlement's cheaper than the lawyers. So that's right for that's both right. sides. I mean, you know, settling for less than exactly. you wanted is still cheaper than getting what you wanted and paying all those lawyers. Yeah, well, it, I tell you, it's it's unfortunate. I don't know had the if the XFL had played a full season exactly what their future was going to be. It seemed like they had a little bit of traction. They had some TV contracts. They had some um, some nice teams. You know, I, I still say this that it's difficult to try to sell people um, on, a, on a secondary league when you don't have stars. I've always said that I thought the USFL was successful in the brief time they were alive um, because they were able to get Herschel Walker and they were able to get, you know, Joe Cribs and they were able to get, um, you know, certain guys that, um, that were, you know, Steve Young headed to the NFL, Doug Williams, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that made them relevant and an option for some people that were uh, choosing between the leagues. And in many cases, they overpaid. And then, of course, when they tried to go to a fall league with Trump and all that, it, it, it uh, ended up ended in a lawsuit that they they won, but for $1, and it dissolved the league. But I, I just think it's hard. I, you know, 
people are football nuts. There's no doubt about it. And I think they'll watch damn near anything involving football sometimes year round in certain regions of the country. But that um, the product is not, it, it wasn't as good. And yet they had many elements of that game. Like we've talked about the kickoffs and some other things. I think that the NFL should adopt and maybe they, maybe they will. We'll see if they come back. I mean, you know, we got to have sports come back first. Um, but yeah, tough, uh, tough deal for, for Mr. Oliver Luck, um, the way that all came down. Alan Barrett, by the way, who was the uh, Tampa Bay's uh, PR guy, is now uh, back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a community relations job. So we're happy for him because he had left the Bucks. I don't know if you know Alan, but he had, he mm-hmm. was uh, one of the guys over there worked with Nelson Louise, and he had left the Bucks to become, uh, you know, a director uh, in that league. It was kind of a gamble, um, but he gained a lot of experience. He said it was a hell of a lot of fun. So. We're happy that he's back. So we got we got a lot to talk about, uh, you know, tonight before we get to your mailbag questions here on this podcast. Um, well, I want to start with, uh, you know, I, I guess it was a couple days ago maybe or over the weekend um, we saw, you know, this, I guess it was an Instagram um, post with Lewis Murphy that Mike Evans was on and, and Mike Evans was asked, about about getting Tom Brady and and you know first and foremost Mike talked about how much you know uh, you know Jameis Winston was his dog and that he had played you know receiver for for him longer than any other quarterback obviously um, five years next to say Johnny Manziel for for three and really two that was on the field in, at A and M um, so well look you know, I mean Evans he, had six one thousand yard seasons five of those thanks to James or James or yeah you know, so and four and a half maybe if you count the Fitz Fitzpatrick year but. Yeah, you know, there was James, a lot. James made him a, a good receiver, no doubt. There was a lot, and there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears between those guys. They were all they were about the same age, and they came in the league about the same time. You know, J, uh, Mike was here one year earlier with Josh McCown and and um, Mike Lennon, but um, and so when he was asked about getting Brady, you know, after giving the hosannas to you know to Jameis, um, he said, "Look, you know, this is the guy. He's the goat. I mean, he he's a franchise changer, and that was sort of his term." for it and how everything is different and um and then uh, i saw that uh derek brooks who of course is a great you know bucks hall of fame player and and a guy the super bowl champion and all of that was on uh one of the fox shows uh talk shows and he was asked uh not just about Jameis, but he's also asked about brady and about specifically about you know mike evans claim that brady was a franchise changer and I mean, he disagreed. I mean, he he wouldn't he wouldn't give him that title. Now, um, not to take anything away from what he's accomplished, because I think obviously Brooks is going to be on the same team with him one day when Brady enters the Hall of Fame. But his point was that it, it's going to take more than just the the Patriot, you know, former Patriots quarterback, to turn this around. And and we know, um, unlike some situations. This has got to be a quick fix, right? I mean, he has two, maybe three years to do it. Um, so he said, you know, my answer to that is no. You know, I can't agree with with uh, with him, meaning Evans, and that because it's going to take everybody. And he was on Speak for Yourself, and he says, uh, you know, in going through changing the franchise, which which as we all know that Brooks and Sapp and those guys did, he said we had to do it together. It wasn't just Eric Brooks. It wasn't just Warren Sapp or Ronnie Barber or John Lynch, Timmy Rice. It was all of us collectively. And we even went through the changing of head coaches, you know, from Dungy to Gruden, um, and 
at the time to be part of that franchise chain. So I would disagree with him in that regard. It's going to take more than just one player to do that. But, yes, he can be a difference maker on offense in terms of his decision-making, and I think that can be the difference. But in terms of turning around the entire franchise, I don't think one player has the capability to do that, period. My <laughs> my experience with Derek Brooks is, is when he finishes his sentence with period, he's very serious about what he says. Um, that's always been the case. So uh, I don't know. You know, he, here's the thing uh, I would say is that, you know, in many ways, Brady has already changed this franchise, right? I mean, it depends on what your definition of franchise changer is. If you're talking about wins and losses, that 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 has yet to to occur. I mean, he hasn't had his first first official practice or sanctioned practice, at least with with his Bucks players. Um, so so nothing has really transpired yet, other than him signing with on a piece of paper. And um, you know, we have seen things change um you know ticket sales are through the roof merchandise sales all of that five national tv games that doesn't happen without brady they're arguably in the off season the most you know relevant team the team that's getting all the attention rob gronkowski comes out of retirement and 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 is traded you know brady helps force a trade from new england to get gronkowski to tampa bay i mean all those things do not happen without Tom Brady. Now, they haven't won a game. So what is all that worth besides money and attention and fame? Well, really nothing. Um, But I would say that, you know, it's the quarterback, okay? So, you know, when Derek Brooks came here, he came here in 95, and this this franchise was just, you know, it it was a dumpster fire. I mean, it was horrible. And Tony Dungy took over after Sam White. He came under Sam White's last year. Then Dungy took over in 96. And it took those guys until 2002. And Dungy was fired after 2001. They went to the playoffs a bunch of years in Philadelphia and lost. That was their house of horrors. And, and then he's right. It took John Gruden to come in here. And Gruden added 25 or, or so players, most of them on offense. Um, he he motivated the defense. He challenged those guys every day in practice. Challenged them to get nine turnovers in the season. And and it wasn't until '02. And I think about the number of players um, and the number of of you know great plays and and what they left on the field in their career just to get to that point. Um, and that was not overnight. He's got two years. But I will say this: that you know the impact or potential impact on a football team can be much greater with a quarterback than any other position simply because he has the ball on every play. So I I don't, I don't, I understand what Derek is saying and, and there's no way to, to, to say he's wrong because they haven't played a game yet. But I think, I think potentially that, that it will mean everything, you know what I mean? To the bucks, much much the way it did to Denver, you know, when Peyton Manning went Mm -hmm. out there and he was, a shell of himself. I mean, he was, you know, Peyton when it was coming off injuries. What's the hardest thing for a team, particularly younger teams, but teams to, mm. to what's the hardest thing for them to do? Learn how to win. Win, yeah. I mean, every team in the NFL has got tons of talent on it. Oh, yeah. But not every team, not every, you know, even even though the worst teams, whether it's the Bengals this year or this past season who had the worst record, the Dolphins, there's still a ton of talent on those teams. How do you put it That's together correct. to win? 
And that's, that's what that's what John Gruden helped the Bucks get over the hump. But it started back with Hardy Nickerson and yes. a few guys like that that then helped Brooks and Sapp and, and Rondé and John Lynch develop. For the Lightning back in 04, it, right. was, it was Dave Anderchuk and Tim Taylor and some veterans they brought in that yes. taught that group how to win and how to – to do things the right way, you know, there, it's legendary of Dave Anderchuk making sure every single Lightning player was held accountable every night to the to media. You had a bad game, yes. you were still going to answer questions. We're going to do this the right way, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's those type of things that Brady knows how to win, and we've talked about this on this podcast many times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brady changes everything. I mean, his work ethic is legendary, much like right. and there's many other players that are, but he's going right. to make everyone in the organization work a little harder. Absolutely. Because Brady's level's here. He's the GOAT, and he's on this team working just as hard or harder than everybody else. It's kind of what Jordan – I mean, Jordan, we're seeing in the last dance. You know, it took him years to get there, and it, it took a mm-hmm. coaching change from Doug Collins to Phil Jackson for him to get over the hump and, and that team to learn how to win and, and, and beat Detroit and move on to the finals and, and do that. The Rays in 08, a great young mm-hmm. nucleus – that had grown for years, but it took players like Dan Wheeler and Cliff Floyd, veterans right. that helped them know how to do things the right way. Tom Brady knows how to win. Mm-hmm. He, he, I, what, he hasn't had a losing season What in New England, I don't believe. No. You know, they, he knows how to win. He's going to bring that work ethic, that thing. Now, whether it works, we'll see. You know, until you play the games and find out, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But our belief is, based on Tom's history, Tom's everything else is that, look, players want to come play with him. Rob Gronkowski comes out of retirement to come play with him. Right. That, that guys want to, guys are excited. The goats here, they want, they want, they don't want to let him down because they also know that if, if he doesn't trust you, he's not throwing you the ball. You don't think that lights a little fire under everybody on the offenses, but of course it does. It gets you up in the morning and gets you to, to go out and work out. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, I mean, I mean, the cake was baked, okay, over a number of years with Tony Dungy. And Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and Ronnie Barber weren't Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and Ronnie Barber when they first started. They didn't come here as that. They had mm-hmm. to develop into it. They had to learn themselves how to play. And it is a chicken and the egg thing in the NFL, which, you know, what comes first, uh, the culture or winning? Well, it really, the, the answer is winning is the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, until you win, there is no culture. Right, you only have a losing culture. So, when you start to win, when you learn how to win, you have to keep winning, uh, and and that's that's what the culture is. It's a winning culture. Now, there's different levels of that. They were going to the playoffs like four out of six years with Dungy. They were, um, you know, in an NFC Championship game in, in mm-hmm. the '99 season, um, but they could not get over the proverbial hump. I look at this football team, which has not been to the playoffs in 12 years. And there's not a player from that team 12 years ago. But, you know, they have talent. They have assembled a good nucleus of talent that, um, you know, three years ago won nine games, not enough to get them in the playoffs. But they've had, uh, you know, a fairly consistent problem at quarterback, and that's with turnovers. And for as many plays as Jameis has made and for, you know, helping guys like Mike Evans and others become – you know, consistent stars in this league, the quarterback position has held the rest of these guys down, in my opinion. And you can you can be a big fan of Jameis Winston and still say that. You know, I mean, Jameis has put up 
5,109 yards last year and 33 touchdowns. That is not easy to do, mm-hmm. uh, e- even when you even when you throw thirty interceptions and and lose five fumbles. But the fact of the matter is, is that this franchise has never had a quarterback uh, at this level. And and I agree with you. I think that that position and particularly that player. I mean, we're not talking about well, you know, he's one player. No, he, he's more than one player. He's one player with nine Super Bowl appearances and six rings. Right and 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 having said all of that, would it surprise me that they got deep into the playoffs his first year? Yeah, a little it would, because I think I think this is going to be harder than people realize. I thought it was harder than people realize what Manning did when he went to Denver, you know. And Manning again physically was already starting to break down after his surgery on his neck and everything, but to go and change you know franchises after twenty years when you know no one. And now you add the fact that, that, you know, to date Brady hasn't really been around any of these guys that we know of. And um, he's going he's gonna to have to, you know, quarterback, again, I've talked to Montana about this. It's the timing. It's, it's, it's understanding guys' body languages. All those things have to come together before you can be successful, even with a quarterback as good as Brady. I just think that this is different. I think what Brooks is saying is true. It's the ultimate team game. But I think this quarterback and what he has done and what he can do um, is different. And well, so I do think he can be a difference. I mean, he's look, Derek's right. Brady showing up doesn't change the franchise single-handedly and, and take him deep in the playoffs. They don't hand you the trophy. I mean, That's right. You know, That's if, right. if Mike Evans and Donovan Can't, Smith and the, the, yeah. Devin White and name the whole roster isn't willing to work harder to put in the effort, it won't the happen. time, the energy. It won't I happen. Mean, but – you know, we've seen in the last dance. I mean, Jordan worked harder than everybody else on that team, and it forced everyone to practice harder, play harder. Sure, sure. Every game, every day. I mean, that's, you know. That's it, what those guys do. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Yeah, they elevate you. They, I mean, they, they mm-hmm. And that's that's part of that winning culture. That's and, right. And it, it's, it's right. something that it takes time. Now, but the thing with the Bucks is it wouldn't surprise me if they don't go deep in the playoffs this year because, as everything you said, Mm-hmm. But at the same time, wouldn't surprise you if they did. Brady's either. never had this many weapons on offense. That's right. It's a young defense that improved drastically over last season, and you've got and pretty we'll, much we'll, everyone back. And will get better because they won't be presumably put in the positions that they were mm-hmm. last year with mm-hmm. 112 points off turnovers. I mean, here, here's a mailbag question we got, and, and we're going to get to mailbag here in a minute, but it actually yeah. fits perfectly. So this is from Mike. Just a thought. What if we remove the expectations from Brady a bit and think of it like this? What are the 19 Buccaneers like with 18 fewer interceptions, the ability to run to the right side, and improve tight end production? It's not unreasonable for 2020, maybe even low. I mean, I think if you did all those things and you removed those 112 mm-hmm. or most of those 112 points and you could have those elements he talked about, they were 7-7 seven and seven with two games to play against teams they should have beaten. The Houston Texans went to the playoffs. They outplayed the crap out of them on mm-hmm. defense, threw that game away. The final game against the Atlanta Falcons, not a good football team. Same thing, lost in overtime, missed three kicks. So if you if you make a kick or two, it's easily that they finish nine and probably 10 or 11 wins with the turnovers, right? Mm-hmm. Just with one, few, one more made kick, one fewer turnover here or there. And so if you did all those things, if you removed all those things and everything else was the same, even with the injuries to Godwin and Evans down the stretch, they win at least 10 or 11 games. 
I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how close this league is, right? That's how that's how good their talent was, and yet OJ Howard didn't have a good year. Mike Evans and Godwin both got hurt and missed, you know, two or four of the last uh, four games. So, yes, I mean, th- you can look at that and you can say, now you have to assume no one else gets hurt, everybody mm-hmm. else is good. You know, Tristan Wirfs can play right tackle as good as Donovan or as good as Demar Dotson. Um, you know, all those things have to be constant or better, but it's not unreasonable to think that that um, that you're not that far away, and that and that's why, frankly, that they're doing what they're doing. They they feel like they have the talent, and they feel like even though they don't have the record or the playoff appearances, they've assembled. They've been doing sort of what Brooks and Sapp and those guys did, right? You can say Mike Evans. You can say um, you know uh, Shaq Barrett, who's who led the league in sacks last year. You can say Levante David. You can say. Um, you know, Carlton David, you can say young players that have started to, 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 to put in the time and learn how to play and learn that culture and, and learn what it takes to win. And now here comes the icing on the cake. Here comes Tom Brady, um, who is going to demand and get the best out of everybody. And, and, and when you talk to, when you talk to coaches that coach Manning or Favre, they'll all tell you the same thing that, um, he has an impact on everything. He has an impact on, obviously, we've seen it with the schedule and things, but he has an impact on, on the defense when they compete against him in practice. He has an impact on every receiver who, you know, in the middle of the summer that, you know, during COVID is going to get up and make sure that his, he knows what he's doing and that he runs the right route and that if it's, if it's you know, 12 yards, 12 yards is 12 yards. And, um, you know, no, you know they, they know the leverages. They understand the concepts they have to know all those things because those guys will give them hell in practice and you're right they'll freeze them out they won't get the ball they won't trust them they won't let them on the field and and that's going to be the reality for these guys and so even a guy like Mike Evans who's accomplished or Chris Godwin they're going to have to to be better you know Mike Evans had had some bad games he had a bad game in London last year terrible game and Jameis Winston wound up with six turnovers a couple of them because Mike could have played better and he and he admitted it he said it you can't have those games. You know, Tom Brady will not allow you to get away with that. There'll be more accountability. Um, and you'll get shown up on national TV or wherever you're playing. Uh, because he's, he, and, and the difference is Jameis Winston could yell at his receivers, but Jameis Winston had not won a thing in this league. Mm-hmm. And so him doing it without having accomplished anything is just different. And, and you know, with Brady, sorry, but, you know, what he tells you is pretty much what is true. Um, and he has proven it. So I, I think I understand what, what Derek is saying. It is a team sport. One guy can't play defense. Tom Brady can't stop the other team from scoring. You know, we saw games last year, and it was earlier in the season. It was in November. It wasn't that early. Um, I, I always look back at the Seattle game because we talked to Sean Murphy Bunting, um, you know, on uh, Wednesday. And, uh, you know, I remember the Seattle game in November, and they lost 40-34 to 34 in overtime. And had they won the coin toss, I think Jameis went. It's probably Jameis's best game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, he went toe-to-toe with Russell Wilson. Unfortunately, Russell Wilson threw five touchdown passes. And, you know, including uh, Carlton Davis had gotten hurt in pregame warm-ups, and they put in Jamel Dean, who gave up three of those and gave up, like, nine catches for 150 yards. He had not played but, like, three snaps, I think, the whole season. And yet, you know, I mean – that that's a game where they could have won, should have won, and that defense didn't get better until 
sometime after that. They wound up winning five of their next six games, and those young guys started coming earlier and earlier to meet with Todd Bowles and to learn how to study film and what they were watching. And I think it was the second half of that season that you saw the defense start to really start to gel a little bit. Well, all those guys are back, but you still have older players that they brought back on defense with Sue and, and JPP and those guys. But but I, I I think they grew up, and yet you know they they weren't they were not they were far from a perfect defense. They gave up a lot of points, pretty much more than halfway through the season, uh, maybe the last six or seven games before they turned it around. So there there it's a big it's a big undertaking that Brady is attempting here for all the reasons we've talked about, uh, not the least of which is they're not a complete team. They're they they got a lot of talent on on offense. They got. Some old talent and some young talent on defense, it's sort of mixed up, but they haven't really established themselves on that side of the ball. So um, whatever transpires in the future, we'll see. Um, but, I, but I do think that Brady is – you, you can't compare him to just another player or just another quarterback because of all the things you just said. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The other thing um, that's going to be interesting, and I I'd actually, Tony Dungy, I was talking to him about something, and he mentioned this um, yesterday, is that, and I saw it on, uh, I don't know if it was on Pro Football Talk or one of those, or somebody tweeted it out, that the NFL is expected to use virtual crowd noise. Uh, and this is to improve uh, the telecast, basically improve the product you're watching on TV. You're used to seeing. Yeah, the players hearing, would not hear this. Say, this is for the broadcast. The, yeah. This is just the broadcast, but it would be sort of this ambient noise, right, of crowd, crowd noise or, or a buzz or a reaction um, when, when plays are made just to give the TV the appearance of normalcy. So that if you're watching at home, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, they do this. If you've ever played Madden, <laughs> and who hasn't, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you watch Madden and they got the announcers, right, you'll, you'll make a play in Madden and the crowd will react. Yep. And you hear the you hear the announcers talk over the crowd reaction, and it it looks and sounds like a real football game, um, and that's sort of what it's going to be. It's going to be a little bit of a theater of the mind, but after a while, you might forget that hey, there's no fans there, but it but it still will give the appearance and the noise, and the optics of it being, you know, played before a live uh, stadium audience. Uh, this they have to do this. It, it's it's too drastic of a change. It's too much. You know, the announcers have to be talking at all times now. I mean, one of the things, right. you know, particularly on radio, but baseball and radio, mm-hmm. with the crowd noise and everything else, the announcer can – you don't have to be talking every second. You can let the crowd go for five, ten seconds between, you know, comments of whatever you're saying or between pitches and that. It, it's – the expectation is there's crowd noise. Right. And it, it makes it almost uncomfortable to watch without it. I mean, I remember the uh, the Baltimore game that was played during the riots, the Orioles, a couple years ago. Yes, yes. It was, it was hard to watch and listen to, particularly because mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan necessarily of either team in the game. So I didn't ever, you know, it wasn't like I was sitting there, this is my team Rooting I'm watching. Interest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. So it, it was very hard in that, 
you look for the broadcast and how much money the NFL's got on the line, um, sponsorships and in the networks and that, this has to happen, really. It, 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 they have to make it sound as close to normal as they can. I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to have the crowd shots in the stands. The, the camera angles may change a lot to a lot tighter views and things like that where you're seeing less of the stands so they don't look empty all the time. Um, and with right. empty stadiums, they can move. They can put camera. They can set up cameras anywhere now. They don't. They're not limited based on, hey, we got seats here. We can't do this and this. So, I mean, they can have cameras in the middle of the seats if it makes the the camera angle better. So, um, you may see some interesting camera angles come up this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for any all sports, I mean, really, I mean, basketball or hockey or, you know, you're gonna you can put cameras anywhere you want now, essentially. So right. the interesting, you know, what new views or that you know Madden or uh, you know any of the 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 um, video games haven't come up with already that you could be putting on this year that, you know, maybe it doesn't last because once there's fans back in the stands, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think it would be too shocking, particularly if you don't have a rooting interest in the game. I mean, it, it's, I, I know a lot of times people will sit there and say that announcers don't matter and all that other stuff doesn't matter in broadcast. And, and if you have a true rooting interest in the game, it probably doesn't. But if you're, if you're, if you don't believe that, Watch some of these ESPN three games from small schools calling, you know, Division two basketball, and the announcers on there and going, "Could I sit here and watch this without a rooting interest? If it's not a damn good game, it's hard." Right, right, and and, and it will be. It, it would it would be very odd, I think. And and even though, again, everybody's you know, when they think about it, will know that it's fake. I don't think it'll be immediately. Something that it, it's just going to be an ambient sound, just kind of in the back of your minds. I mean, it reminds me of uh, a Bull Durham, you know, when a guy's doing radio and uh, he's got the little bat and he whacks it, you know, when the mm-hmm. guy hits hits oh, yeah. the ball, it's like, you know, it's like, ah. well, major the league, they were screams. doing that kind of stuff too. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Listen, to those exactly. fans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's, it's like Nick Lelouch, he's got no hitter. Here's the comes pitch. It's hit out there, center field. And so, you know, it, it's uh, it's a little like that. But, um, look, I hope it doesn't come to that. I really do. And, and along those lines, uh, the NFL uh, basically extended their virtual workouts through May, which means they won't be opening the facilities for players until uh, June at the earliest at this point. And we know that there are some states that are going to have to make – I think they're going to have to start making plans here pretty soon. I mean, I don't think they can wait till training camp because – unless they're willing to lock these teams out, uh, these players out of their facilities and coaches and front office um, until damn near training camp uh, and maybe even then beyond, you know, there are some states that just simply aren't going to come back soon. California, New York, New Jersey, we know that. Um, so there's, you know, if you have any, any hopes as, as hopefully this uh, virus is contained or um, at least we can, uh, you know, do have the testing available uh, to make it safe, not just for society, but also for these players, I, I think they're going to have to think about playing someplace else. And there, there's been stories written and, um, you know, lots of speculation already that, you know what, teams in California might be playing in Arizona this year. I mean, that's just my or, – or another state. Like, they can't, you know, the home schedules be damned. Uh, you know, they want, they want parity. They want uh, fairness and all that stuff and competitive balance. But this is a different year. You know, and it's, it's there's, there's just no perfect solution. There's no perfect. Some no. teams are going to feel slighted. Other teams are going to get advantages. And, it's, you know, no doubt. I mean, whatever plan any of these leagues pick, there's no perfect. That's line. right. This no, is this right. is this is something no one ever fathomed or thought could happen. 
to where whole seasons are affected and fans and this, that, and the other that, you know, there's no perfect solution. You know, the commissioners of these leagues and, and the, the, the you know, players unions for these leagues that are negotiating things, it's, it's figure out the, the best one that keeps it as close to what you need it to be for the product on the field, for the broadcast, for the revenues, for the players, for the championships and go with it. And, you know, someone wants to put an asterisk by it. Fine. But it's, you know, you just got to pick the the best plan and go with it. There's no there's no perfect solution. There's no right or wrong. There's no hey, this is the only one that works. No, it's but it's look. Some teams are going to love this. Other teams are going to hate this one, and that's just the way it is. Hey, but speaking of sports that are coming back, how about this? And this is exciting to think about. I think the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Remember when the world stopped uh, back in the middle of March? They were just mm-hmm. about ready to go, and they were even contemplating doing that race without fans, which was eerie. Um, but they ended up pulling the plug. Uh, the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg is coming back, and it's going to be here October 23rd through the 25th, and they plan on, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, with fans. And uh, you know, and that's, that's maybe an event that you could actually, even if you had to, have some separation because it's a, mm-hmm. a long racetrack and, and you have uh, grandstands and things like that. So um, that's pretty exciting. And the schedule even works out for Tampa Bay sports fans. Sure does. Because the Bucks are on the road that week on mm-hmm. Sunday night. In, in Las Vegas, in Las Vegas so that you can go to the race in the afternoon on Sunday and then watch the Bucks that night. You don't have to miss. I mean, normally it's in the spring, so you're not missing football Sunday or whatever, but you can uh, go to the race and then uh, catch the, the Bucks that night. Well, the, the, the fly in the ointment will be, of course, you might have to switch back and forth between the Bucks in Las Vegas and then the Rays playing in the postseason. Or the Lightning that, could be in the Stanley Cup at that point. Who knows? Or, or the Lightning <laughs> could be, or all four. <laughs> I mean, and this is what's going to happen. Like, it's going to be crazy, right? Because everything's coming back all at once, right? You'll have the mm-hmm. NBA be playing playoffs in Disney and um, the NHL be in the Stanley Cup and uh, baseball be in their postseason and football be cranking up, so... That would be a nice problem to have, yeah. wouldn't it? Gee, what do I watch? Yep, and of course, Governor DeSantis said that all sports teams are welcome in Florida. MLS yes, has are. a proposal to have all 26 teams go to Disney's ESPN Wide World of Sports and play a tournament there sometime in June without fans in attendance, but have all the teams there playing, which is uh, good news for the state of Florida if that happens. Yeah, I mean, it would be, and they got great facility over there. I think that's why the NBA is considering I mean, all those hotels that, that are available um, right now, at least with Disney and Universal closed, um, they're all within, you know, five minutes. Again, you know, all the social distancing and the testing things notwithstanding, if you don't need fans, they have an arena right there, um, both in Orlando and, for that matter, one at Disney where they play AAU tournaments that you could televise the games from there. And they've talked about Las Vegas that way, too, so... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, although not that optimistic, quite frankly. But um, you know what? People are talking about sports coming back, and that's certainly better than, uh, better than the alternative. So i uh, got a question or two on our, uh, on our mailbag, or are we we going to push those till tomorrow? Yeah, we'll push most of them to tomorrow. But we'll start with Jake mm-hmm. here, who said, The governor declared today that he's opening the state to all of the pro sports teams for practices and games. How much of a competitive advantage does this give the Bucks, Rays, and Lightning? And would they have to get approval from their respective leagues? Um, well, I mean, it, it, assuming that they're they're going to allow them to participate in their own facilities, I think I think it is an advantage. I mean, again, I don't know if they're going to have to quarantine these players, like when they do go to training camp or they do go to these um, start to start up again. Are they going to have them in hotels? Are they able to go home? What I think it'll depend on what the testing procedures you know may be, 
but certainly, look, I mean, this, if this is where you live and you get to play here, uh, that beats the alternative. I mean, teams are leaving their families. They may have to leave their families as well. But I just think it's, I just think it's uh, familiarity, and I think that breeds confidence. I think when, when you know where you're going, when you, um, you know, are used to playing in a, in a stadium, an arena, or training at a facility – I think all that's important. So mm-hmm. I don't see how it could hurt. Let's put it that way. I don't know if it'll be the ultimate advantage. I mean, ultimately, you know, talent wins. But um, I do think that there will be um, at least less stress maybe for some of the some of the teams around here that are from here. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, his question about uh, approval from their leagues. Yes, I mean, you know, the Bucks cannot practice now, even though the state of Florida says that's we're correct. okay with that. Um, the NFL right. has virtual practices in effect till June. At this point, the NHL, mm-hmm. nobody's allowed to go to their facilities or work out. The NBA has opened up to voluntary workouts for those teams that are in states that are opening up. Uh, but you can't have full practices and your full squad right. there, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so the leagues are doing this and trying to do it. You know, baseball, you can't have some places open now. I mean, that's the that's the whole thing right now with you know, some states opening up and others not is, you know, the NFL is trying to do this particularly is – Look, when we open training camps or if we're going to do an OTA program, everybody's got to be doing it at the same time. We're not saying, hey, the Bucks can do an OTA, but the Giants can't because they're in New York. And, and so right. they're trying to figure, you know, maybe the Giants have to travel to Florida or some state that they can do it. They in. may. Mm-hmm. And, and that's possible, and that's what they're all trying to figure out. Same with, mm-hmm. with hockey. I mean, okay, so, you know, if you're going to have players come back, you know, you got to figure out the quarantine part, but, okay, the Lightning can practice at Amelie. That's yeah. fine. But, you know, the, the New York Rangers who are in the playoff hunt can't practice at Madison Square Garden because New York shut down or, right. you know, any of the California teams or, you know, any of those, any cities, Detroit's at a pretty hot spot and pretty much closed down now. They couldn't do things. So it's trying to mm-hmm. figure all that out, too. Yep, Absolutely. We'll do one more question today, and we'll get the rest tomorrow. But Les had asked, it looks like Major League Baseball will play a short season, and based on the way the Rays handle their pitchers with openers, pitch counts, et cetera, do you think it's an advantage or disadvantage for the Rays with a short season? Wow. Uh, great question. I, um, I, would, I would assume there'd be a minimum of days off, so you probably wouldn't have a five-man necessarily, many, many five-man rotation uh, needs or six-man. Six we, know, we know they got the big three, right? I mean, assuming that everybody comes back and is healthy. So I mean, you could add to and have a five-man rotation. I, 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 you know, in the old days when when the Rays were struggling just to you know have somebody start the games because they were down to maybe one or two actual starters, uh, that that might have been more of a of a factor. I think they're they're pitching is deep enough now, Steve, that they could they could have a four, maybe a five-man starting rotation if that's the way they chose. But I think they're adaptable. I mean, that's the one thing the Rays have proven. They're their bullpen, um, their pitchers buy in to the opener if they want to go that route. Nobody seems to be too provincial in what their roles are. So I think they're they're equipped to do whatever that season may require. I think short term, uh, the beginning of the season, I think it's a huge advantage for the Rays. And being mm-hmm. that, look, pitchers are not going to be fully stretched out. Garrett Cole is not going right. eight innings to start the season. That's a good York. point. Uh, but so is Charlie Morton and Tyler Glass now aren't either in, in Tampa Bay. Pitchers aren't going to be fully stretched out because they're going to have maybe three, four weeks to, to start pitching in that. The Rays pitchers are used to being used in many different situations, and, and they're adaptable, and, and they've used so many of them too. 
in all kinds of different situations. I think you might see a slight advantage of, Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're not going to have pitchers pitching kind of in weird spots. And you're going to have an expanded roster, too, which the Rays, you know, use a lot of players back and forth on their 40-man roster. Right. So I I think that helps them in short term. Now, you know, the other question is what teams are you playing? I mean, the other part of this is they may be playing more of the NL East instead of the AL Central. And so now That's you're playing tough. a lot better teams compared to maybe teams in the middle of the country and, and that. Right. So that can hurt you in that regard, which, you know, isn't so much what his question was, but as far as how yeah. they handle their pitchers. But I think, you know, their pitchers being used to being used in so many different ways. I mean, even mm-hmm. last season in the playoffs, I mean, Tyler Glass now and Blake Snell were not they they were starting, but they weren't going eight innings because they weren't stretched right. out yet. They were still only at three or four or five innings. And That's so right. even in the postseason, they were, you know, I'm calling it playing games, but it's not games, but using that yeah. strategy and, and putting pitchers in at all different times of the game that most teams don't experiment with or do very often, the Rays right. do that. And so maybe there is an advantage to them, although other teams have time to study kind of what they've done too. So, but, you know, Kevin mm-hmm. Cash and his staff are used to that, and so are the pitchers. That's a great point. I, I think they will be very adaptable. All right, so that's all the time we have uh, today. We're going to get to the rest of your mailbag questions. We've got a bunch of them on the Bucks and tomorrow's podcast, we promised. Uh, if you're looking for something to watch, tonight is your night. Game six, remember the Lightning versus Calgary, 2004 Stanley Cup playoffs, a double overtime win. Spoiler alert, Marty St. Louis has a really big goal, um, maybe the greatest one in sports history, or Bolts history, not sports history. Uh, anyway, that's at 8 p.m tonight on Fox Sports Sun. So make sure you check into that. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.